in this series, uh, a, a zoom out. And as uh, Alice just said, we're looking at the whole Bible, which I love because I do it every time anyway, right? And in fact, my teaching covers the entire Bible just today. Um, it does, really, actually. Uh, so we're going to zoom out and we're, gonna, and we're looking because we're trying to help you along. Like when you start hearing things, understanding how does it fit into the bigger picture, and, and we have divided it into these six sections, and not just we. I mean, this is a fairly common division of the creation, the fall, then the entire Old Testament, um, which Jeff got, which he did amazing with, um, and then Jesus, and then the church age, and then the end times. Um, so that's how we're dividing it. And today we're going to be talking about Jesus, which again, I mean, just... It's so much. I've been intimidated by this assignment ever since I got it. I, have, I just, I have no idea where to go. Every time I get the uh, daily scripture every morning and I read it and it says something about Jesus, I'm like, yeah, that's what I should talk about. But, but I can't talk about all of that. So what would you say? Like if this was your assignment, uh, what you have to do is summarize what role Jesus played in the bigger picture. What would you say? I mean, there's so many things to choose from, and I kind of have this feeling a little bit of expectation from you about what the thing you want me to say, right? What would it be? What would you say? Jesus said so many great things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Every one of these things and many, many more are so important. But here's where I landed. This is what I chose to think about. When Jesus is in the Last Supper, in the upper room, and he says, this is the new covenant in my body. And it's, oddly enough, I'm looking at it from 1 Corinthians, which is outside of the Gospels. If you, uh, well, the, like a Bible structure thing, there's, there's the Old Testament and we get to the New Testament. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called the Gospels. And they're like the biographies of Jesus. You would think my entire lesson might come out of there. But no, it comes out of Corinthians. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. See, these are game-changing words. These are super significant, not just in that moment, but in this big picture in this big story of what's going on, this is a moment where things pivot. Nothing will be the same and everything from before is different. To understand why these words are so game-changing, we need to roam around the Bible for a bit. One thing we need to understand is the idea of a covenant. He just said, this is a new covenant. So we have to understand, well, what was the old covenant? What is a covenant? Um, covenants are these promises and agreements where God says, I will do this. Or sometimes he says, if you do this, I will do this. There are these agreements and promises. The first covenant that we need to look at is called the Edenic Covenant. It's from Eden. It sounds really complicated. One thing you're going to notice is these covenants sound complicated, but the naming is not really that hard to figure out. The covenant in Eden is called the Edenic Covenant. The covenant to Moses is called the Mosaic Covenant. It's not really that hard. 
uh, this covenant in Eden, and the Lord God commanded them, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. This is, a, this is kind of a little bit of a funny thing to do to man. I mean, just knowing who you are and who I am. If God comes and says, like, you can eat any of these vegetables and lettuces, but don't eat from that chocolate cake tree right in the middle. What? Huh? I need some cake. Right? Uh, but, but you can eat of any of these trees, but don't eat of that one tree. If you do eat of that one tree, you will surely die. So that's the Edenic covenant. And of course, we did, we ate, and we got kicked out. Um, the next covenant in Genesis is the uh, Abrahamic covenant. Uh, and this is one, where am I? I'm so lost in my notes. Uh, this is one that you should know. Really, if you're new to the Bible, and if you're not new to the Bible, this is a covenant that you should know. I have returned here over and over and over in my teaching and in my life. This, this tells you the story of God and what's going to come. So it's something you should know. This is Genesis 12, chapter one, uh, Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, from your people, from your father's household, to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. I will do all these things. And in the end, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This is God's plan. This is when he just tells us what his plan is. This covenant is known as a one-sided covenant. Uh, not very technical, right? It's one-sided. God doesn't say, if you do this, I will do that. He just says, I'm going to do this. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. So, in effect, this covenant is still in effect. This is still God's plan. I am going to bless the whole world through you. The next covenant is the Mosaic covenant. We get it in Exodus chapter 19. <coughs> and Jeff touched on this. Now, it says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's a two-sided covenant. He says, if you do this, I will do that. And in fact, in the story, it, and Moses actually has to go down to the people and say, hey, this is what God just said. If we do this, he will do that. Are you going to do it? And everyone's like, yeah, we'll do it. And then Moses goes back up the mountain and says, they said they were going to do it. And God says, okay, then we're going to do it. And then they don't, like, like uh, for a day. They don't do it at all. And that's what, that's what uh, Jeff was talking about. We just could not do it. We couldn't keep it. And over and over and over and over, the whole Old Testament is just a story of us like, okay, 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 we're going to do it. No, we're not going to do it. Okay, we're going we to we're gonna do it. No, we're not going to do it. So that covenant is, is in Exodus, the Mosaic Covenant. Now, we get to this new covenant. See, this is why this is so significant. If you didn't know what had come before, when Jesus said, this is a new covenant in my blood, you wouldn't understand how significant this is, what he's saying. He says, I am establishing right now a new covenant. 
So what is it? What's the new covenant? It's so interesting. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, this is what the new covenant is. Da, 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 da. Like in the other ones, he just says, this is a new covenant in my blood. So what is it? I'm so glad you asked. You guys are curious. I'm gonna try to describe this new covenant, which we, hit, we, we get prophecy of the new covenant all throughout the Old Testament. But I'm gonna describe the new covenant in two words. The first word is salvation. And the second word is transformation. The new covenant, the new covenant is a covenant of salvation and transformation. So first, salvation. And it's the body. In this, in this thing that we just read back, what, what Jesus said, what did he said, This is my body and this is my blood. So the first part of the covenant is the body. Uh, throughout the entire Bible, there's this dominant theme of mankind being alienated from God and separated from his presence. Remember back what uh, Ed said when he was talking about the fall. What happened immediately after the fall, immediately after we sinned, what happened? We got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. We were kicked out. Um, God said, uh, because you have done this, I'm going to have to push you out. Otherwise, you might reach out your hand and grab from the tree of the tree of life and live forever. So I have to kick you out. And I'm going to put guards there guarding to make sure you can't come in again. We're scattered. We're separated from God. We're banished from the garden. Later, mankind starts building this tower of Babel. They seem to come together and building this thing. And God scatters them out. Later, we find that Egypt has, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, our, our forefathers, our nation, has, has really formed itself inside of Egypt, the wrong country, the wrong place, uh, separated from God and from where they were supposed to be. And without God at this moment, they really don't know who he is, and they're in slavery. And then the Lord said, came and, and said he was going to rescue them. And this, for the, for the Jews, is like one of the central verses of the entire Bible. This is kind of where it all starts. Where God says in Exodus, I have seen their misery of the, my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them, to save them. I have come to rescue them, and I'm going to gather them to me. I'm going to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land and into a new land. Throughout this, I just, you just, the picture is God's like gathering his people back to himself. That's what salvation is. Salvation is this God, is God rescuing and bringing us back to himself. Now, even later, God does this. He brings us back to Jerusalem. And of course, we we don't do what he's supposed to, what he told us to do. And, we, and the nation is divided and the nation is conquered again and we're slaves again. It's like this story just won't stop going in circles. And so we're slaves again. And God says in Jeremiah, and this is, this is literally part of this new covenant prophecy. God says in Jeremiah, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. 
and they will be my God. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I will bring them back. I will gather them back from their current slavery. So, salvation carries this idea of God gathering his people back from the wrong place to the right place, from the wrong land to the wrong right land, from the wrong kingdom to the right kingdom, from the wrong rulers, the rulers of evil, the rulers of what later is called the king of this air, the king of this world, from sin into the right kingdom. This is the picture of salvation. And this is the picture of the body. So we're going to do communion. We're going to do communion differently today. It's going to be integrated in with the service. So I invite the, the ushers to start serving the bread. And I'm going to tell you to be holding on to this bread. You're going to hold on to this bread for an unusually long time for Orchard. Okay? So, so you're going to hold on to this bread. And we're going to be talking about what the meaning of it is. But first, I'm going to have to take a little pause here and say something about communion itself at Orchard. At Orchard, we believe that Jesus is calling you to this table. Jesus is calling you to this ceremony. And we think that if you believe that Jesus is God and that you can say that you're going to try to submit everything of yourself to everything that you know of him, that it's him then that calls you to the ceremony and we welcome you to his table. And we think that you as families should decide whether your kids are, have, a, have an age-appropriate faith and that this symbol, this ceremony can really help teach them something. And so I'm just gonna again ask them to just distribute as they're doing and you just hold on to this for a little bit. We're gonna take it together. But this this bread, this unleavened, and by the way, gluten-free, that's, that's not part of Exodus, but it's part of our world. This unleavened bread is a symbol, is a sign of salvation. Why is that? Well, again, I'm glad you asked. It's because um, of when it was uh, first shown to us See, Jesus, God, Jesus, they're the same. See, God, when, when he's working on bringing the Egypt out, uh, Israel out of Egypt, he goes to them and he says, Psst, Moses, tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow's the day. I'm going to save you tomorrow. I'm going to bring you out of Egypt tomorrow. It's going down. It's going to happen. I'm so excited. I think God was so excited. And he said, this is what I want you to do. In the future, whenever you think of tomorrow, I want you to have this ceremony. It's going to be called the ceremony of the unleavened bread. And it's going to be a reminder that I saved you. It's going to be a reminder that I called you out of this, of this place that you, were, that you were not supposed to be. It's going to be a reminder of that. He said, I have heard you cry out because of your slave drivers, and I'm going to call you out. So that's when, that's when he first said, this is, this is a symbol of my saving of you. Now, as soon as he got them out, 
then he starts telling them all these rules and laws. And, and all these rules and laws are amazing symbols in and of themselves. And in Leviticus, he says, uh, I want you to start making me this sacrifice of unleavened bread. I want you to take the finest grain that you have and I want you to bake it into these loaves of bread. And it's, it kind of ch- makes me chuckle, all the specificity. If you make it in a fat loaf, make it like this. If you make it in a skinny loaf, make it like this. If you make it in a fried loaf, make it like this. And, oh, and add some salt, he says. And oh, don't do honey. I don't like honey. And don't do yeast. Uh, right, I'm, I'm gluten free. I don't know what. But, but, he's, but, but this is what he says. This is the amazing thing. And then I want you to bring these loaves of bread to the priests. And then the priest is going to take this bread and he's going to break this bread. Start tracking, right? Start tracking what we had said before. The priest is going to take this bread and he's going to break the bread. And part of the bread he's going to sacrifice on the altar. He's going to burn it up and it's going to be a sacrifice to me and a pleasing aroma in my nose. And the rest of it, what he holds, he's going to bring back to the other priests, his priest buddies. And he's going to distribute it to them. And they're going to eat it. And it's going to feed them. And that will be their portion. What? How cool is that? How much exactly like what we're about to do is that? Take this unleavened bread, sacrifice a portion of it to God, and distribute the rest of it to the priests. In order to... Remind yourself that I saved you. That I brought you out of one kingdom and into another one. So, this is God saying, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about them. So I have come to rescue them. This is God saying to you, I will bring them back to a place and let them live in safety and they will be my people and I will be their God. And this is God saying to you, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. We can take. Most holy God. We remember and we appreciate and we celebrate that you have saved us. That you have gathered us from the land that we wandered off to and brought you brought us back to yourself. We pray that as much as we can, we will live that you are our God and we are your people. Amen. So the first part of the covenant, of the new covenant, is salvation. The second part of the new covenant is transformation. 
And again, here comes the element that represents this transformation. And I, I, again, I'm going to invite you to hold it for a while, and I'm, and I'm sorry for parents with small children. <laughs> Grape juice in their hands for 10 minutes is awesome. This section is different than that section in that this section is saying to us transformation. There is something completely and totally new. This section represents something we have not seen before in the symbolism. Of course, blood was used in the Old Testament all the time. It's in the ritual system all the time. Bulls were killed and lambs were killed and rams were killed. Birds were killed and the blood was put onto the altar. But what never, never happened in those old, in those old ceremonies is that the blood was consumed. Never. In fact, it not only was it not consumed, it was commanded, it will not be consumed. Levit Leviticus chapter 17 and other places. For the life of the creature is in the blood. I have given that to you to make atonement for yourselves at the altar. It's the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat the blood, nor may any foreigner residing in you, among you, eat the blood. He says, if you eat blood, I will cut you off. You will not be my people. I will send you away. Don't eat the blood. Because the life of the creature is in the blood, he says. That's the reason he gives us. Interesting. Now, let's look back again at a verse that we kind of covered before. God, when God is kicking us out of Eden... What does he say? He said, the man has now become, this is his reason for kicking us out. The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. He can't do it. He can't have life. He's not ready. Don't eat the tree of life. Don't consume blood because it has life. <laughs> amazing but then when Jesus comes in this big arc of what, we're, of what we're going over when Jesus comes he has this huge emphasis on life the thief comes to steal and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will have life even though they die I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And even more specific, he actually goes right at this issue of blood being life. But Jesus said to them, Very truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Now he lost a lot of followers when he said that. I mean, because that sounds pretty yuck. But, but you can see what's going on here. There's an incredible transformation happening here. There's an incredible change in the Bible right here. This cup is the new covenant 
It's new. It's totally different. It's not something that's happened before. So now we're back in this upper room. And, and he has these elements in front of him. And his cup was not this tiny. And he takes this cup, and unlike the bread, he took the bread and he did something very Jewish. But now he takes the cup and he does something really not Jewish. He completely transforms it. This Passover meal would absolutely never have included the drinking of blood. But then he says, this is my blood poured out for you in a new covenant. Mankind has been transformed. Mankind is now in a different state. A state where before we could not have life. You had to be kicked out of Eden at risk of having life. You would be cut off from the nation before you could have life. Why? Because God's protecting us for something for the future. And now Jesus says, it's here. Listen to these couple of prophecies about the new covenant. In Ezekiel, he says, I will give them, this is, this is this transformation of you. I will give them an undivided heart. I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And they will be my people and I will be their God. I love all these, all these prophecies have this same thing in them. Jeremiah says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, in the future, the new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. This cup is a new heart. This cup is a new spirit. One that is capable of life. One in which we know what the living God wants of us. When we can interact with the living God again. When we wouldn't have to be removed from his presence. It's transformative. It's significantly new. Through this sacrifice of Jesus, we have gone from, he must not be able to reach out his hand and eat from the tree of life, to, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood, you don't have life. This cup, take this cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Heavenly Father, again we pray thanking you for the transformative nature and the power of your sacrifice, which not only saved us, but changed us. We pray that we will be able to live 
live with this knowledge, live up to this standard, live with you in our hearts. Amen. And now right before the band sings, which I think I heard him, I want to say that as I've been living with this, I've really noticed how hard it was to convince myself that I really was new, that I really was transformed. I mean, I still have these awful thoughts of anger at people or frustration with what's going on or fear, oh my heavens. But I've been really, I've been really struck by this transformative nature of what God was doing and saying, you have me now inside. You have, you know my laws, you know my decrees, and you have my power. So I pray that you go from this place with that. First of all, a remembrance of the salvation of Christ. Amazing thing. But second of all, a knowledge of the transformational power of new life inside of you. And now let us worship. All right, spoiler alert. Close your eyes if you don't want, or ears, your eyes, ears if you don't want to know what's going to happen next. But now that you've taken in the body of Christ, you become the body of Christ. The next chapter in this is the church. The church as the body of Christ. And then the final chapter ends. Here's the ending. I'm going to spoil it completely. With an angel saying, it's done. And now you can be his people and he can be your God. Isn't that amazing? Those prophecies come true. So I pray for you, for us, that we become the body of Christ, the celebration of salvation and the transformation that comes with it, and that we, and that we bless the entire world like the, the Abrahamic covenant said, until one day you, I am their God and they are my people. Go, have a great week.